This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, roll along here with Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. We are going to have on today as a guest at 8.30, maybe the greatest marketer outside of Deion Sanders. He's that good at marketing. Seriously. He's done an awesome job, man. He, He might be the best marketer in sports who doesn't do that as his primary job outside of Deion Sanders. So think about that. Maybe you'll come up with other people on the list. You guys can try to guess if you want. Uh, I don't know whether you'll know his name necessarily, but you'll certainly understand, I think, why we say that. He is one heck of a marketer for a very uh, for a product that was nothing just a few years ago, and he took it over, and now it's uh, a much bigger deal than like it used that? to be. I don't like the way that sounds. No, really? Yeah, I think if you said Brander. He is. He is the. He's, he's one a of great the, brander. Well, I don't know. Marketer I'm not going to say like, brander. Marketer sounds like a salesman. Like he's just sell, selling well, no, something it's that's marketing, not legit. Which is different from sales. I, I got it. I got it. No, I. I don't. I, I. And I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. He's done a phenomenal job of growing his, not market of growing his brand of growing his product. <laughs> okay. Yeah, mar- I don't want. To, we don't mostly through marketing, I think. But okay. I, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I'm sorry. I That's all right. Fight. I don't no, want to fight. Let's not moment. fight today, Brock. Today's all we have. Today's <laughs> our just, only day. I think I just said that to you. Yeah, you did, and it kind of <laughs> yeah. disturbed me. I'll be honest sorry. with you. I was talking to Brock this morning because uh, what Toby Keith died, it's and awful. unsurprisingly, I have no idea, and I don't know one thing about Toby Keith. Uh-huh. But uh, Brock told me that I should, and we're going to play bumper music every in and out for Toby today. Is I'm that cool? Justin? Happy to do that. Yeah, if, I'm if you it. can give me a Toby Keith song, I'm happy for you to play some. We've, we've Toby played Keith. it a few. Of, oh, played yeah. some Toby Keith. We have. Does he here? sing yeah. that uh, "Buy Sell" song? No. She's a nine. She's a ten. I know. Is no. that him? I ain't as good as I once was. was good as I was as good as once as I, as I this is what Brock says when you ask him if he could ever go out and play uh, quarterback again. Yep. He said yep. he could do it once for one day, and then <laughs> I that could. would be so it. So you do know something about Toby Keith. I do yeah. now, now Red that you tell me Red that's Toby Solo Keith. Cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Brock tells him, like, I know which songs Brock sings on occasion, and so I'm able to later Navigate. sort of put them into into yes. categories that way. Yes. Um, you want to go? Th- I got a couple of things to go through at the moment, Brock, and then we're going to dig into our favorite subject at 7:30 today. We'll talk quarterbacks, quarterbacks. at 7:30, of course. Quarterbacks. But I got three cuts I wanted to play for you right off the bat today, and see if we could just quickly react. It starts with this guy. This is Brad Holmes. Mm-hmm. Right, who was the general GM. manager of the Detroit Motor City Lions? Right, a uh, very big job. So here's what Brad Holmes said uh, to some reporters who were asking about their draft picks. And those picks were not welcome by many in this room. You know, Dave, you want us to pick quarterback. You didn't want us to pick Panay Sewell. You know, people didn't want us to wait till the fourth round to draft a wide receiver. People didn't want to wait on a Derek Barnes to develop. But every single move was intentional and was made with intention. You know, back in 2021, we did not have multiple ones. We did not have multiple twos. We did not have four picks in the first 100, you know. Now, we did have that, and we used those wisely. You guys didn't agree, but we used those picks wisely. We had one extra pick in 2021. We had a comp third. That was Iffy Melifonu. 
Carlos, I know you said that that was a miss. Man, that is a that is a he keeping receipts. Yeah, yeah lots. Is that Lewis Riddick's best friend? Yes. Yeah, teammates. The receipt keepers. Teammates of Belichick with the Browns. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, he he. That was not just like any old. That that, that was their big press conference, right? I mean, the Lions were, were inches away, a play away, a decision away from from playing in the Super Bowl. So he has his press conference and he kept receipts. And remember, they they got mocked. So kind of like old Walter football. Is Walter football still around? By the I way, I don't know. It's a good old question. Walter football given the Seahawks F grades after F grades mm-hmm. after F grades for their drafts, especially twelve and thirteen, and you know, and it turns out to be in the Legion of Boom. It turns into a Super Bowl winning team, and yeah, he just you know, and, and and his point is this one, and you've made this before. When you're wrong, okay, maybe you write an article saying this is the greatest Mariners team ever, and mm-hmm. like you said the other day, I'm I was wrong. Can we just admit when we're wrong? And he's looking out at all this, these media that just crushed his decisions and crushed, you know, Dan Campbell and crushed all of their of their moves. And now, hey man, we get nearly to the pinnacle, and I'm going to call it out. Should he? What's Does the he have... uh, what's the upside in doing so? Correct. But, but what's what the, the what's the upside? What is the what what uh, the upside is holding media accountable for just running their mouths and having opinions that are foolish. Mm-hmm. That would be what he was at. You know, there, there comes a time where I'm going to look out at all of you who write all these scathing articles, who rip me, who rip, you know, Dan, who rip this organization. And who's going to be the one to hold you guys accountable out there when you're flat out wrong? Hmm. Is it your customers? Do your customers go away? Is, is, is that what we've got to hope? Is it like a market condition that, hey, man, you keep putting junk out there. People are just... And you keep being wrong about it. People are not going to listen to you. Yeah, in theory. On the other hand, like, you know, I like him a lot, but Mel Kuyper's wrong more than anybody and, and like way, way off on a lot of things. And we continue to listen to and read Mel every year. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is we understand that those jobs are essentially impossible. You're trying to predict the future. And, you know, for him to get mad at the at the media in the room in Detroit – I get it. I understand the temptation to do it, and I'm sure it's frustrating being judged by people that you feel don't have as much information Mm -hmm. as you, Mm -hmm. but they also don't have as much information as you. So Mm -hmm. when you get it right and they've gotten it wrong, you can rub it in their face if you want, or you can simply say, yeah, well, I felt confident in what I was doing, and I'm going to continue to manage the way I choose to manage. Yeah, I think this comes back to an old Brock and Salkism way, way back in the way back machine. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to Jim Mora when he was the head coach, and it was something that you said that has stuck with me for all these years. Let somebody else say that. Yeah. Let somebody somebody else in your organization do that. Let somebody else write that. You don't want to be the one that has to do that. Let your partner do that. Let somebody else say those things because – when you're the general manager, you got one of 32 jobs on the planet. Yeah. It's a pretty esteemed job. Yeah, there's just no, there's not a lot of upside in that. But not I understand the upside. temptation. I absolutely do. It's almost like being like an ex-quarter cornerback or something and just deciding to fight with fans for an hour and a half on Twitter one night. Like, I understand the temptation, 
But if it were me, I would probably see if I could try to, I don't know, maybe dial that back and show some self-control. That's just me. Anyway, uh, here's another one I wanted to play for you. This is Dan Quinn, uh, who Ooh. is, of course, recently hired in Washington. Mm-hmm. And for all the fans out there who want Eric Bieniemy, and there's a lot. Every time we bring up the offense coordinator job, we hear, oh, but what about Bieniemy? What about Bieniemy? What about Bieniemy? Just listen to Dan Quinn talk about his meeting with Eric Bieniemy, who he decided not to go with, even though he was already there as the offensive coordinator, and tell me that there's not something weird going on. You know, I had a good visit, uh, Chick. I'm glad that you brought up EB because um, I think he's an excellent coach. And so I had a chance to visit with him uh, today. And so we'll continue that dialogue to go. He's, you know, no longer we're not going to work together here. But in this coaching brotherhood, I wanted him to know, uh, man, I really respect the work that he's done. And uh, as coaches, you know, we all stay connected even though we're on different teams. So I wish EB nothing but the best. And uh, he'll do a great job. I was really uh, pumped that he took a shot this year and went for it. And so I've got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, we're not going to work together. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, yeah, no, I respect him. He's done a great job. I'm not going to work with him. Oh, my gosh, no. What was that? And I'm going to go with Cliff Kingsbury instead. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with the uh, guy who totally flamed out in most of his other jobs. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, uh, uh, not him. No, absolutely yeah. not. No, don't get don't get that. So that's a coaching confused. brotherhood. All right, yeah. that's just putting some respect. And mention his name and respects what he does. See, we're just not going to be partners. We're just not going to work together. Yeah, that's that's a tough look. Yeah, that's not great. And remember, Bianami did bet on himself. He did finally fly the coop. He did fl- finally say, you know what? After all these interviews and different opportunities, this was going to be the one. And you got to maybe question some of that judgment of going to that organization and working with Ron Rivera, who was on the hot seat and had to win and all of it. And unfortunately, the year did not work out very well. Mm. So tough business, man. Not the business that uh, that I would want to be in. That is a hard, hard, nomadic business. And while there is some respect, there is some brotherhood. It's not for the faint of heart. Well, it doesn't sound like Eric Bannum is likely to be the offense coordinator here in Seattle, but the Seahawks did bring in two more coaches yesterday. We'll tell you who they are, plus a whole lot more coming up next. And everything you need to know, it's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we still don't know who's going to coordinate the offense or the defense, but Mike McDonald slowly but surely starting to fill out his staff. Yesterday, we learned that Jay Harbaugh, son of Jim, excuse me, and former staff mate with Mike at Michigan, is going to be the special teams coordinator. We also heard the name Kirk Olivadotti, who uh, has been with the Packers, and he will come in here to coach the linebackers, which seems like a pretty important job under his particular style of defense. The big name so far has been Leslie Frazier. Steve Tasker joining Bump and Stacy yesterday, been with him in Buffalo, had some uh, really nice things to say about him. He's one of those guys that great guy to have on the team. I really think he's an outstanding individual, first and foremost. He's The first thing you find out about him, you read his bio, he's part of the 85 Bears team. He's got all that history, and he's been in the league for so long. Got a wealth of knowledge. Just a wonderful dude. I think his players really liked him as a coach. I think he was really, really beloved by his players when he was here in Buffalo. Really good dude. And, you know, maybe the criticism from him over the years, I think Tasker said that said this with Bump and Stacey, maybe a little conservative. Mm-hmm. You know, times just playing it, you know, like Pete and some of the some of that generation, like keep everything in front of you, don't give up the big play, a little bit conservative. 
And that's a pretty good mix with a guy that loves to bring the heat and loves to bring the pressure and, and doesn't just blitz recklessly in Mike McDonald, but his teams are going to get after the quarterback. He's, and what I, what he's what not I like being to, asked to be the defensive coordinator no, 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 either, no, right? No, so he's no, not calling the plays no, he's anyway. Not. No, he's not. Just a sounding board. Just a wonderful sounding board. And I like the, the mix already here. You know, you got Jay Harbaugh, young guy. I mean, really young. You might have a, a more veteran assistant special teams coach for him because he's a 30-something and Olivadotti's a little bit older. Fraser's a little bit older. McDonald's a little bit younger. Mm. Pretty good mix here early with the staff, but still waiting on the big one, and that big one being the offensive coordinator. Well, in the meantime, they've also been down at the Senior Bowl trying to figure out who they're going to draft, and almost every projection you look at has the Seahawks going offensive line, defensive line, or quarterback with that first pick at number 16, assuming they don't trade out of it, which they will probably do. Mel Kuyper, who we mentioned a few minutes ago, still thinking a lot about J.J. McCarthy. The quarterback spot, we know who we have with Seattle, but do we want the heir apparent, or do we want to solidify other areas of need for Seattle? You talk about the O-line, you talk about different areas there. I, you know, I look at it for Seattle, you know, to me, how highly do they regard J.J.? Yep. And if they feel like, okay, you know, he's not high enough field, we got to go a different spot. They have three or four key need areas they could address. If Penix is going to be a difficult one to grade and evaluate here over the weeks and months ahead, J.J. is going to be even more difficult. Mm-hmm. He's a national champion. He went 27-1 and as a starter. And yet when you watch him play, especially this year, there were times where you just felt underwhelmed. Didn't push the ball much down the field. Protected the football at all cost. Guess what he was? A game manager mm-hmm. and a game winner. I don't think he's going to fall out of the first round, and I think he's going to fall in that top 20 when it's all said and done. Here's the second thing you need to know. Mariners roster taking shape, Brock. A lot of things to be excited about. Certainly the rotation looks nasty. We're just going through some of the projections there. The bullpen, serious stuff at the back end. The offense should be, I don't know if it's going to be significantly better, but it should be more predictable, deeper, more consistent than it was last year. One trouble spot, though, defense. Take a look at what the defense looks like for this Mariner team outside of Julio and Cal, who you want to assume are plus defenders up the middle. JP, fine, but no longer in that gold glove caliber type of spot from from what the metrics say. Polanco's not exactly a defensive whiz. And then you get to the corners, which are not exactly great, especially if Mitch Hanniger is going to be playing a lot in right field for you. So mm-hmm. just a one spot for concern. And another would be... A, pitching depth jason churchill on yesterday with bump and stacy right now they're in a position where if the season started tomorrow it looks like brian Wu would be in the starting rotation from the get-go and i'm not saying that's a bad idea i just don't like the idea that that's really the only way they can go at this point it's either that or you're starting the season with austin votes in the rotation or emerson hancock in the rotation or darren mccacken in the rotation they don't have that veteran to to take over that five spot if you determine hey maybe brian Wu should go to the minors work on whatever he needs to work on to combat left-handed hitters and maybe curb his workload a little bit. I think it's a really good question and a good point he raises. The only Mm -hmm. thing I'll say is that for whatever reason, Zip's projection, Brock, Mm -hmm. with our our guy, uh, Dan Zimborski, has Darren McCacken ahead of Brian Wolf. Oh, really? Yeah. Like he knows something we don't know. I don't. Well, no, he is. I mean, it's after mind. all. Yeah. Out loud. Right. You know, they take emotion out of it. It's all computers, all numbers. They take the names out of it. And I'll just tell you where there was some emotion. Done in the past. I'll tell you where there was some emotion. I put out a nice little tweet last night on the Mariners. Oh, I Jerry saw that. And Justin, the nice job they did. And man, you know who people do not want as a Mariner? I mean, it was overwhelming. Almost every comment. 
And maybe the numbers and Luke Arkins and others have influenced in the right way some of this. Matt Chapman. Mm. No, thank you. Yeah, and you start to look at the numbers from last year, the actual next-level kind of hitting stats and yep. things, and there's not – it's not much of an upgrade from what you've got. Certainly not if you've got to pay and get into some kind of bidding war. For yeah, him. I don't know. I mean, he was a four-win player. The other guys are two-win players. So, I mean, you can – there's a bunch of different ways to look at that. Uh, I'm not a huge Matt Chapman fan either, but I wouldn't say no if he wanted to come here to Seattle. Here's the third thing you need to know. Oh, the countdown is on, Brock, for the Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas. A lot on the line for Kyle Shanahan, the chance to show he's sober. Excuse me, to show he can win the big one. Uh, did you see that video? Saul. Brock. Saul. Did you see that video? Was that a slip? What did no, you just I, say? No, I didn't mean to. I, that was a total accident. I'm sorry about that. Goodness. But did you see the video with him and Mike just Rob? basically did what Gus Johnson did watching Caitlin the other night. Did you hear that? Where they block that S H and they're the miss the vowel oh. between the H and the T, oh. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, shot." <laughs> it was, it was pretty. I mean, good. That'll happen. Yeah, it will happen. Well, yeah, I, I was, vowels I'm just tough. saying. Uh, no, I didn't got see what video. Prove. What video? I'll, I'll, we'll play it for you. I promise. Oh, um, Brock Purdy trying to show that he's you know an elite guy, not just a game manager. Patrick Mahomes trying to carry a non-elite team on his back and. He was asked a lot of questions about his legacy yesterday. Didn't answer them a lot like Russ. Did you hear any of his answers? He was like, yeah, I'm not thinking about that. Hey, are you going to catch Brady? Well, I'm not even halfway there, so I'm not really thinking about that. Let other people say it for you. And then for Travis Kelsey, of course, the chance to cement a dream season and maybe ride off into the sunset and start a new career when this is done. You and the Swifties a little worried because I know now you're you're an honorary Swiftie now. Are you a little worried? About what? About what? About Brock Purdy wearing number 13. Oh, it's her lucky number. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not just her lucky number. It's her number. It's like, like her thing. It's her thing. Yeah. And they're just going to be celebrating. She's going to be watching the number 13 out there. Are you nervous? Do you think that's for Dan Marino? I mean, she's from Western Pennsylvania. He's don't from Western so. Pennsylvania. I don't think so. so you don't think that's a Dan Marino thing? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Kind of a passing time tribute, maybe? <laughs> I don't think I th- so. I think it's the day in November at which she was born. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. lame. That's everything you need to know. Uh, quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. Hey, speaking of which, Goodell December was asked about the uh, Taylor Swift effect. He said uh-huh. that it was significant and that she's a big football fan. She loves entertaining things yeah. like the NFL. He also nice. said that it's not uh, scripted. Not scripted. Yeah. Uh-uh. And so if it was scripted, he wouldn't say that. Right. 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 So, right. so I mean... <laughs> Obviously, you, it's not are scripted. Are you going to play the Shanahan for me or not? Uh, I mean, yeah, you, can't you know just what? Say something like that. Okay, hold on. Take we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I think we have to roll it into the system. So we will roll in the Shanahan. I'll play it for you when we come back, right. and then we will talk about our very favorite subject in the entire world 13. next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, we'll get to our favorite subject in one minute, Brock. I promised that I would play you uh, this sound that Morris showed me. So this is Kyle Shanahan last night. It's better to see it. So I'm going to tell you that it presents even more of a picture if you see it. But here he is talking to uh, one of our favorites, Mike Robb, Mike Robinson, at uh, Super Bowl media evening. And there's some speculation out there that maybe he's not 100% sober. Well, it's it's, it's funny to hear Jed say that because... It wasn't the smartest moment I've ever had. I mean, when owner comes in after training camp practices and it's like, hey, how's the quarterback? And he, what he means is the starter or the second. And you and irritation go, I don't know, but our third guy's the best. 
Like, that's not what he wants to hear. So that's why he remembers it very strong. But that was just more... Brock was so good right away with every rep he got. He was always the same. And he only got a couple of them. So it was easy for me to say. Because in his few reps, he was the best. But if you know that for a fact, I mean, then you do what you do right away. But he was the best. and But you ease that on. And every time he got a little more reps, it was the same as when he only got two. And so when it was all said and done and he got a lot of Getting points, I was like, yet? oh, <laughs> this looks exactly like what I told you when I was irritated. And he only had three reps. And I said, no, he's the best. But that's what was so real about Brock. That's why after his seven games, his rookie year, even when he got hurt, we knew what we had. Oh, stop talking. <laughs> You're talking, you're losing. <laughs> what was Mike Robb's face? Uh, Did they have Mike Robb in the video? Uh, Mike, yeah, Mike Robb's like, like, I didn't no. ask you that. Maybe a little <laughs> giggling. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's weird. It's going to be weird when uh, Kyle Shanahan shows up to the uh, Super Bowl wearing number 86. I don't know why that would be, but for some reason, 86 seems like a pretty good number for him. Have a Super Bowl in Vegas, they said. Yeah. yeah. yeah How about that? Warm. Yeah, maybe a little warm. Yeah. Yep, yep, I mean, it's little. media night. It's probably if he was going to have fun, it's early in the week. But right. it is a night where you know you're going to be talking to reporters. Yeah, too. Well. <clears throat> that happened to me uh, one time. Not not that I was inebriated, but on live television, we had Dennis Quaid come into our broadcast booth. He thought that was a good idea. He was a coach in a football movie with the Syracuse running back. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He's got a cup of water. He was he was real warm. And I could hear, I could hear a producer like, cut, get him out, get him out. Last question, cut him off. You know, like, really what we're Because at a certain point, you just feel for them, right? right. Like you're like, yes. I don't want him to regret this later. Right. Exactly I don't want to drag right. this person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, no, anyway, that's uh, that. You guys, yeah, you can make up your own story if you like. But that's uh, that's what we got from. From, gotcha. uh, from from Kyle Shannon yesterday at media night. All do right. you want to go in the truck, Salt? You want huh? to no. go meet all my no, bosses? No, I did not. No, truck, I was no, all seriously, set. why don't you go down? No, 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 no. I am warm. I, I, don't, I wouldn't use the word warm. I think I used another <laughs> W word to describe my state of mind at that particular moment when you asked me if I wanted to meet some of the executives yeah. at ESPN. Like, Pullman will do that to you, brother. No, Pol- no I'm all set. I've been you. in Pullman for 36 hours, and yes. this place is unlike anywhere I've ever been. I, there's nothing else to do here so yes all right um brock yes as i see it the seahawks who have what 10 days before they need to make a decision a quarterback they have three let's call it four options of what they can do i'm sorry i gotta just share one more when you said i (laughs) we need to get some food in me now (laughs) we woke up in ireland Ireland. i can identify with that when you when you have had a couple. I think everybody said that. Yeah. Well, this was the next morning. <laughs> this was the next morning. This was the, the hours next morning. <laughs> the hours were yeah. a little different. And bless your heart, you're like, I have never, ever gone on the air, ever, 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 and I'm never going to. So we're going to get some blood yeah. sausage and hash browns and eggs and toast. I, and... I will never go on the air intoxicated. I think no. it is a huge, like, I know myself and I know not to do that. Yes. But I was not expecting in Ireland to wake up the next morning with sort of a weird time change and be like, yes. huh, I'm not sober yet, so we're going to have to figure something else out. We got some blood sausage and some other stuff. Yes, and we uh, did. It all worked out fine. All right. Can we please talk about yes. quarterbacks? My God, sure. man. You're, you're, you're very Well, you played the sound, me. okay? It was your fault. I know. I'm sorry. But Morris played it for me. What do you want the Seahawks to do here? They have, they have 10 days. They got 10 days to figure out what to do with Geno. 
and it's exactly one week from today, huh? or, or or the one and a half. Okay, next Friday. Week yeah, from Friday. Yeah, okay. I think it's ten days from today that you got to right. make a decision. Five days after the Super Bowl, and they kind of have let's call it four choices. You can do nothing, right? Build around for another year with Geno and draft them the line of scrimmage and try to get better there. Mm-hmm. You can keep Geno, but make him the bridge to somebody that you draft or acquire this off season. You can cut Geno and draft his successor this year in the draft or acquire his successor somewhere. And then I guess there's sort of a fourth where you could cut Geno, sign Drew Locke for less, and then try to go out. But I'm not sure. I think that kind of is a wash when it comes to the dead money and all of that. So I'm not sure you actually make any any progress on the, uh, on the mm-hmm. whole cap thing if you do mm-hmm. that. I, I know where I stand on this. In fact, I think I feel very clearly convicted on what they should do. But where are you at? And this was a little bit of your Twitter poll yesterday. And I think the the majority of the audience is probably aligned with you and I on this. I'm sorry we don't disagree on this one, Kyle. I'm so sorry that we can't fight over this specific quarterback. That was my, um, sorry, Shanahan. You and Shanahan. Specific Jeez, what's going on quarterback with conversation here. But you're keeping Gino around. At, at, at this number, the, the position is too valuable. Much the same way that Mike McDonald has brought in a Leslie Frazier and brought in some experience around him and will continue to do so as he rounds out this staff because he knows you, you know there's no substitute for that kind of experience. And a first-time head coach, I don't think you want to come in here, especially one that's got a little bit of a defensive mind. I know that it's you know chasing every edge, offense, defense, special teams. It's all in one. But I don't really like any of those other options. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep Geno around. Then the real question becomes, if a J.J. McCarthy is on the board when you're sitting there, if a Michael Penix is on the board, if you trade down and all of a sudden you assemble another second-round pick, you know, then maybe becomes a real question. Who's your offensive coordinator going to be? I think will be a key tell in some of this. I, think, I would think that decision's got to be made between now and next Friday. Yeah, so you, you would be in the keep him and draft a quarterback uh, camp. I don't think that's where I am. I think I'm going to say that I'm in the camp with about 24% of folks who said keep them and start them. And I don't know that there is an option out there in this draft at 16 and given the needs that the Seahawks have mm-hmm. that entices me enough. I really like Penix a lot. I really do. It's going to be really tough for me if I were in John Schneider's shoes to pass on Michael Penix at 16. But... I think I have to also consider all of the injury stuff that everyone else is so concerned about and at least take it seriously. And also whatever the heck was going on at the end of the championship game, those things are are, are kind of in my brain. So I know I said that over the course of the season, I'm going back on that. I know I said it was time to move on from Gino. And you know what? I'm going to go back on that as well. Given some of the changes in their coaching staff, given some of the problems they have up front, I think I'm going to go back on that one as well. Here is what I would like to see them do. Keep Gino, start him next year. I would move on from Drew Locke. And if it were possible, I would like to see them bring in Tyler Huntley, who was in Baltimore and has more of that ability to run and allow him to be your backup and see if maybe there's something there. If not, you're a year away from finding your quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I think a J.J. McCarthy would be the only guy, if he's there at 16, that would intrigue me to draft that high because you do have lots of other needs. We will obviously see them shape this roster. 
Um, that bar graph, Justin, thank you. I'm typically a pie graph guy. Mm. That usually moves my needle. But that bar graph that he sent the other day, comparing you to the other teams in your division, in particular the two you're looking up to, who swept you this last season, that being the Rams and 49ers, and it allocates in salary cap space where you're putting all your blocks. And you have some decisions to make at receiver. I mean, DK and Tyler are eating up a huge chunk of it. Your safety position you know, is, is more than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm is eating up huge chunks of it. So the opportunities to to mold and move this roster around and your salary cap space around and in a draft that is so rich with offensive linemen, tackles in particular, could there be a, 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 a marketplace opportunity where teams are going to move on from some veteran tackles and veteran players because they need to go get that first round of that next young guy. So there's going to be all sorts of movement here. But if J.J. McCarthy was the intriguing name to me in August, and I said that to you going into this year, Keep an eye on this QB out of Michigan, right? Everybody's going to be talking about say the, that. the Caleb Williams and the Drake Mays at the top of it. Keep an eye on this dude out of Michigan because mm-hmm. he's got a lot of what you want. He's got a lot of toughness. He's got a lot of handling the biggest moments. He's got a lot of athleticism. He's going to get to the combine. He may run 4-4 at the combine. He may be one of the fastest QBs there at the combine. He's 27-1 and in the pressure cooker. He elevated Michigan back to a place that had only been one other time in 60-some years. He was 3-0 and against Ohio State. Can I ask you a serious question about him? He can throw. Can he, he, can can absolutely, he, can he, he convert on third and 10? He, did, did he in huge moments over the course of his two-year career? Yes. In the games that I saw, no. So, But I only saw him play a couple times. So that's, that's why right. I'm asking you the question, yes. not telling you he can. Yes. Can he complete and convert on third and 10? Yes. Can he throw a ball into the tiniest of windows against Ohio State on a third down, I think on the opening drive to lead them to a touchdown? He can do all those things. He's going to go to the combine. He's going to throw it 70 yards. He's going to be body beautiful, face beautiful too, off the charts handsome. You know, a a, a true genuine competitor to Jimmy Garoppolo. But, But he didn't care about any of that. As I told you before, he's a south side of Chicago tough dude that played hockey through junior high and had to unfortunately make a decision to give up hockey to pursue football that much more and went down to the IMG Academy and competed and won. I mean, the dude has just been a winner. So he is the one that if he was sitting there at 16 would be intriguing. In in the next few months will be discovery, and we'll see. If he is to John Schneider what Josh Allen was, what Patrick Mahomes was, is that guy that he just absolutely has to have, I think he would be the one I would take at 16. And you know what? Let him compete with Gino and get the best out of Gino because this dude's coming and you got to stave him off and you got to hold him off and you've got him for five or four years plus. So that would be the intriguing guy for me. It'd be, it'd be real hard for me, Brock. And, and, and only because I'm looking at their line of scrimmage and I'm thinking about what Mike McDonald wants to build. Yep. It'd be real hard for me to not go line of scrimmage. At that, at that, at that first round. And pick. by the way, you trade down from 16. There is a great case to be made that you had a late first, you had a second, and guess who's going to be there? Exactly what Mike McDonald mm-hmm. needs in his system. Tavondre Sweat at 350 pounds that you ain't moving. That's going to eat up two guys every single snap at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Gobble, gobble, gobble like hungry hippos. Boom, boom, boom. And he's going to eat them up, and you're not going to move him. And you're immediately going to win the math game. And it makes which is everybody else better around yes. him on that defense. And yes. you allow, you know, Draymond Jones to do his thing. And you allow the linebackers Darren to Reed be better. And, or yep. you trade back a few spots. And maybe you're able to still get a Troy Faltano. I'm like, there yep. just are some real needs that they have up front. Great. And 
if I felt like there was a guarantee, no doubter quarterback, if you were in the top five and you're like, okay, look, these guys are too good. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're in that spot. Mm-hmm. I feel like at 16, it's much more of a chance that you'd be taking. And if I'm going to have to take a chance, I think I'd much rather do it on the line of scrimmage, given the type of team that it sounds like this guy wants to build. Yep. Yep. And the numbers to when bear Pete that Carroll, When Pete Carroll got here, first year, he had picks 6 and 14, right? And he had Matt Hasselbeck, who at that point in his career – was not altogether different from Gino. He had obviously mm-hmm. had more success earlier in his career, but he was older. He was coming off some injury stuff. He was not that different from where Gino is right now. Did Pete draft a quarterback? Nope. Mm-mm. He went offensive tackle and then safety at six and 14. John too, by the way, since John was a big part of that. And he's still the guy making those decisions. If you have an opportunity to go after the ball, to go after some great players, Mm -hmm. to me that seems like it'd be much more important right now, especially after you didn't do it in last year's draft. If they had done it last year, I'd feel differently. I would. It's not that I don't like your two picks in the first round last year, Mm -hmm. but if you had solidified your offensive or defensive line last year at the two picks you had, which was what, five and what was it, 20? Five and 18, five and 20, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. But you didn't. And I just feel like this is such a such a necessary thing for this team right now that it'd be hard for me to see them draft a quarterback at number 16. Let's ask Brock some more important football questions. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, you got to tell me if this is a real thing. Diana Rossini said this about Mike Vrabel and why he might not have a job as a head coach right now. Do you know I had a GM at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that is a factor, which I left. I said, stop, that, that's not something that's real. Who cares what someone physically looks like? And he said, I'm just telling you, I've been I've been in rules and, and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. Is that true? Is Mike Vrabel not a coach because people were too intimidated by his size? Mm, I'd be hard pressed to believe. Was that Clint Hurts' problem last year? I mean, if if Mike Vrabel's presence scares you, what does Clint Hurts do? I mean, he is gigantic. Yeah. Mike Vrabel, by the way, you asked the question during the break there, D'Amico Ryan, some of these other guys. Antonio Pierce. Right. No, he's Vrabel is bigger. Vrabel was basically a DN. He was six he is six four, two sixty. He's a big boy. So, yeah, he's he's a big guy. Jack Del Rio. And he's one of those that like plays to that presence. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some big guys kinda of slump. There's some bigger guys that try to, you know. Not him, dude. He is. He plays to 6'4", 260. Got that dip in his mouth. Kind of stares at you with those eyes that are a little crazy. Kind of Dan Campbell-esque, mm-hmm. right? But my goodness gracious, if Dan Campbell's presence, former player, pelts on the wall, doing hand cleans with 350 before meet, like, that was all beneficial, right? 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 I mean, that was that was, because it, it, it's him. That's his image. It's the kind of team he's going to build. If Mike, no, I just, I, I have a... 
I mean, I don't discredit that somebody said that to her. And maybe someone, you know, that's Tom Wassel's, you know, intimidated of 6'5", 260, <laughs> you know, maybe didn't love that. Right. Uh, you know, I, I kind of felt that way watching the We Are the World. You know, maybe Bob Dylan was intimidated by Kenny Rogers and some of the others. You know, a little guy in that room looked scared to death. Didn't look like he wanted to be there whatsoever. Maybe it's because he can't sing, but maybe. who cares? Yeah, <laughs> might, might have been that. I have a hard time. I have a hard time because usually that presence is actually empowering. Yeah. Usually that presence with the size is what you want. You know, when Mike Holmgren came in with a Super Bowl ring and Mike's six foot four, six five, Brian Billick, Super Bowl ring, six five, six six. I mean, big guys that carry a presence. If anything, it should be beneficial in a league with a lot of very large men that you're leading. All right, question number two. Mark Schlereth on yesterday with Wyman and Bob. Talk a little bit about what this defense should look like based on uh, Mike McDonald's past. They create um, a lot of issues. They create a lot of pressures. And then when you look at Seattle's defense, um, you know, I just I think their back end is has got the, you know, has got a lot of potential to be very dynamic, very good in the blitz game. Um, linebacker, you know, I mean, one thing Baltimore had was unbelievable speed, the middle linebacker position with both Queen and Roquan Smith. I don't know that you have that necessarily in Seattle. Maybe you do. Um, but I, I would say not quite like them. So they can do some things, walk up and, and make you go man and then bring edge pressure and still get to their drops and things of that nature. If that stuff is true, yes. Brock, which Seahawks uh, on this defense should benefit from this system? Oh, Spoon is going to be unbelievable. And I am sure that Mike McDonald, as he dug into this, and we know from Jed Fish that he made calls out to Seattle mm-hmm. and talked to different people and and put on the tape and, and watched different games. And I am sure he looked at Devin Witherspoon like, now I know he's not Kyle Hamilton size. It's 6'4 and 220, and, and but he's quicker and he's faster. And pound for pound, he is just as dynamic. So at nickel, at safety, as a blitzer, he is going to be unleashed and unlocked in even more ways than he was last season. So he is going to be the one. And that's where I think a Quandre maybe comes to life a little bit more. You know, Quandre had to just play so much center field, so much what they call post safety, right? Deeper than the deepest, nothing behind you. I think Quandre still got a whole lot of instinct, a whole lot of disguise, a whole lot of, whole lot more skill in there. You would think that Jamal four years ago, Salk would be like the guy. But at this stage of Jamal's career, just some of the speed, some of the challenges he's faced with his body being beat up, I think I think maybe this scheme won't be as helpful and beneficial to him. And another reason why he will be a big, big conversation along with some of those other huge salary mm. cap guys moving into this offseason. All right, question number three. As you uh, look through these Super Bowl teams, Brock, getting ready for Sunday, Niners, Chiefs. Yep. Of last year's 22 starters, roughly, for the Seahawks, how many would start for either of those other two teams? I had five. Five of the 22 Seahawks, four or five starting for San Francisco, and I had upwards of nine Yeah, for the Chiefs. I believe that. Kind of to your point where you were like, golly, doesn't it just feel like the Niners roster? Didn't it feel watching media day last night in Vegas that there were so many more stars? Yeah, Mahomes and Kelsey may be two of the biggest stars in all the NFL and certainly have a whole lot more rings than anybody in San Francisco right now has. But yeah, I had for San Francisco, either DK or Lockett would start at receiver for them. Opposite of Ayuk, they would start ahead of... Ahead of Debo? No, Debo's in the slot. They're kind of an 11 personnel. I'd have one of those two guys. 
I would have Spoon definitely starting at their nickel. I would have Love starting ahead of one of their two safeties. And would that be true if Afonga was healthy? Probably not. Okay. And then I would have a healthy Abe Lucas starting at right tackle. And then my fifth would be Woolen. But he was so mercurial this year mm-hmm. and did not hit. Certainly Woolen from a season ago absolutely would be a starter. And uh, so, yeah, about four, four and a half, maybe five if you count Woolen. For Kansas City, I have Cross, I have Lucas, I have Lockett, I have Metcalf, I have Nuosu, I have Leonard Williams, I have Jordan Brooks, I have Spoon, and I have Love. So Different story, huh? Very different story. Yeah, yeah I think there's... The Kansas City roster in, in Mahomes, you pay him $40 million, $50 million to do what? Elevate everybody around him and erase some of the ills of your roster and some of the weak spots. And my goodness gracious, in the playoffs, both in Buffalo and Baltimore, he did that and more. All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88. Of course, we do that every morning at 745. We used to. Yes, sir. I got one more thing last All thing right. for you. You brought up the 2010 draft with Pete. A little easier for Pete and John. There was no J.J. McCarthy. There was no Michael Penix. There was no of those guys. Sam Bradford went one. One other QB went in the first round of that year. Mm-hmm. Can you guess who he was in the 20s? <sighs> Sam Bradford went one. This is 2010. Mora, think back to your fantasy charts of 2010 when you were 14 years old. Can I you, remember that draft. Can you give us some sort of a hint? Yes. Huge, huge, huge star. In fact, I brought up Jer- his Jerry name. Lorenzen. I brought up his name yesterday when we were talking about the Senior Bowl. There was something about the Senior Bowl when he was in it in 2010. There you go. Yeah. Tim Tebow at Justin number. Actually yeah, so that, you know, I was like, that back here. He didn't. Oh, you he didn't did. trust yourself. He didn't pop the mic. Speaking of Justin. Mic. Yeah, sorry. Wasn't that draft with like Jimmy Stand Clausen? Yourself, it was a ton of busts. Yes. No, it was, it was a bad there, draft. That was a. Uh, Paul McCoy. Sam Bradford won. Tim Tebow, 25. This, you had no worries about having or being pressed to draft a QB mm-hmm. there. Yeah, he also go Kung, right? Correct. Okung yeah. and then yeah. Earl. That's right. Mm-hmm. Could have had Tim Tebow. Totally blew it. <laughs> <laughs> if only they'd gone in that direction. All right. Uh, we used to do this every day. We haven't uh, done it every day anymore, but it's still fun to do now and again. Let's answer some questions. Please. We'll answer the question jerk. I got a bunch that came in last night on Twitter, but we got a couple minutes if you want to throw some at us right now on the old text line at 866-979-3776. A little old school answer the question jerk at 8 o'clock today. We're just going to answer your questions. Any question on any subject, whatever you got, we will answer it. Text us at 866-979-3776, and we will answer your question next.